0: Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another week. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a good week. You know why, folks? Because today I had off, and I'm going to be off next week, and I'm hoping to do a little bit of deer hunting. I haven't gotten to hunt yet. Uh, if you're not a deer hunter, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. It, um, You know, we like to eat deer, but I love to be out in the woods to get some uh, refreshing and get completely alone. And so I am excited and looking forward to it. Uh, Because we all need a break from what's going on in this world. And uh, I'll tell you, it has gotten real sloppy since last week. If you haven't seen in the news, of course, everybody is guilty of groping somebody, of doing something wrong. Uh, All these men and women are supposed to be in the highest forms of respectable government are out there causing the most disgusting uh, sexual sins and and everything. And look, folks, I, I was no angel when I was young. But these people represent Uh, as older individuals, they represent uh, supposedly uh, a a respectable office for our children. And we wonder why the world is falling apart and kids are in rebellion. Well, look at the leaders of this nation, this country, how they are completely disrespecting families as they promote this ungodly behavior to be just basically spewed throughout all the school systems. Folks, if you can get your children out of public school, please do it. Homeschool them, find a good uh, church school to send them to. Uh, You know, I mean if you can't I understand god has a way of protecting you know we understand that but look the truth is if you can get them out get them out this is not a day and an hour to be to be allowing the federal government to teach our children you know this this is not the same country that I, I'm only 43 but this is not the same place that I grew up in this is not the same time period when i was young and you got in trouble you know the, the neighbors if they needed to they'd spank you and and they, we don't live like that anymore Well, and you see the effects of a society. Do you know when children are not disciplined, they will rebel? It's a fact. When children are not disciplined, they feel unloved, and then they rebel. This telling Muffin to always take a time out in the corner, folks, this, come on, we've got to be parents. We've got to tell our children the difference between right and wrong. And when you do something that's wrong, there is a consequence to it, and that will just help them to form their character. Anyways, I'm not going to get off on that tonight. Folks, you know the truth behind that and I'm not gonna keep going on, but I will say one last thing. Have you ever been upset? Just something just got under your crawl. I'll tell you, this week I'm gonna mention this once, but I bought this Bible program. If you don't if you have trouble, you know, reading the Bible often, I'll tell you, listen to the Bible. I'm an audible learner. I, I love listening by audio. And I I love the King James Bible. I, I just enjoy it. It's and, and I love re- listening to it read by Alexander Scorby. Nobody, I, in my opinion, ever read the Bible better than Alexander Scorby. Bought the Bible program years ago on my iPhone for 20 bucks, and I got an update, and it broke it. And now they want me to rebuy it again for $20. Well, folks, buy it now. I guess it's fixed, and I I really don't want to spend that, but I guess I'm going to have to do it. Because the more you get the word in you, the more it will come out of you. And, you know, it's one of those moments that you are in that situation where you don't know what to say, it's when God will recall what he has put you uh, into, your brain, into your brain through reading his word. And I, I shared a long time ago on a story on one of these episodes about I was on, in Africa. I was on the way to a lady. I was coming out of a church, and she said, please, come witness to my husband. He's Muslim. So I said, okay, let's go. So we got in this vehicle, and we're driving out through the middle of uh, no. We're already in the middle of nowhere. We're driving farther out in the middle of nowhere. And I was just thinking to myself, I can't believe how far this woman Walks just to get to church every week, and so we're on the way out there, and I'm trying to, to read the Bible, and I'm like, I can't even come up with a a single thing to say. It's like my mind was going blank. I couldn't even barely remember John three sixteen. I mean, it was like everything was taken away, and I kept trying to struggle. What am I going to say to this man? And, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just the Lord started putting in my mind: take no thought, take no thought. And I was like, take no thought. That's ridiculous. How can I take no thought? This is I got a witness to a Muslim man. I'm not even prepared. I've never witnessed to a Muslim in my life. Take no thought. So I we were kept on going out there, and and as finally I just more and more and you know this kept take no thought in my mind. I finally I just closed the Bible. and said, Fine, Lord, I give up. I quit. You're going to have to just do this. And so we got out there, and I remember we we got into this. We got out of the vehicle we were in. We went into this mud hut, sat down on some some uh, furniture they had in there and my best friend from over in Africa lives up in the mountains. We were down right at the base of the mountain and um, in this little village called Mwembe. And uh, we were down there, and I had my translator on one side, the driver, the pastor of the local area, and my best friend from there. We were all there together, and everybody, here comes a Mzungu, right, a white man into this village. And so here he is, and I mean, all of a sudden, the whole hut is surrounded with people, and everybody goes silent and just looks at me. And folks, it was at that minute... That the word of God became just began to come out of my mouth as I began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ of Yeshua HaMashiach with this man. It was a most unbelievable thing that I'd ever had happen in my life. And God moved in such a powerful way that day. And I wasn't even prepared, but because the word was in me when it was the moment and God brought it back out. So, folks, you've got to get into the word. We've got to be reading the word and, and studying the word because there may come a day when the word is taken away from you and you need to live on what is in there what you've been eating on because if you have the word in you and you have a, a substantial but it is enough to live on for a lifetime god will sustain you with that word so we got to put it in there now before these times you know we may have our bibles taken away from us what are we going to do then well i'm i'm going to get into the message tonight because folks if you heard last week's message prepared for the last days last week's message about moving from preparation into actually being prepared so that you can be useful. Now, folks, if you didn't hear last week's message, please go back and listen to it. And, and, and because it, it is the tonight's message, in a way, is kind of a, a continuing of what happened last week. Because, uh, folks, I say this over and over again. I know you're awake. I know you're aware of the times that are going on. But if you don't get some of these things right about sharing the gospel with a dying world you this whole thing you're calling a relationship with god and then not telling anybody i question the relationship now, i know there's those who are crippled and can't get out but you can pray and you can see and intercede for other people but folks we have a mission to get out there and share the good news and tonight's message the gates of hell will not stop his church let's pray Father, I just thank you, in the name above all names, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Savior of the world. I ask that tonight that the words that come forward on this program will be uplifting and glorifying to you, Lord. Lord, may I simply decrease tonight, and you would increase, so that when people are done hearing, they will say, the Lord was present in this message tonight. The gates of hell shall not stop his church. Lord, we know that. We are dealing with a powerful God who is able to deliver and overcome any sin that so easily besets him. He can give us deliverance if we shall call upon his name and surrender our hearts over to him. Father, I thank you for this blessed assurance that if we would trust in your son and give our hearts to him, that we can know that we have moved from death unto life, and that him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless shall never leave us nor forsake us to the very end. And I ask this all in the name above all names, Yeshua. Amen. The gates of hell shall not stop his church. While in Utica, you may know Charles Finney. He'd visited a factory a few miles distance as it says this, as I went through, Mr. Finney said, I observed that there was a good deal of agitation among those who were busy at their looms and their mules and other implements of work on passing through one of the apartments where a great number of young women were attending to their weaving. I observed a couple of them eyeing me and speaking very earnestly to, to each other, and I could see that they were a good deal agitated. Although they both laughed, I went slowly toward them. They saw me coming and were evidently much excited. One of them was trying to mend a broken thread, and I observed that her hands trembled so that she could not mend it. When I came within eight or ten feet of her, I looked solemnly at her. She observed it and was quite overcome and sank down and burst into tears. The impression caught almost like powder, and in a few minutes, nearly all in the room were in tears. The feeling spread throughout the factory. The owner of the establishment was present, and seeing that the state of things, he said to the superintendent, stop the mill and let the people attend to religion. For it is more important that our souls should be saved than this factory run. The gate was immediately shut down. The factory stopped. But where should we assemble? The superintendent suggested that the mule room was large and the mules should be run up. We could assemble there. We did so in a more powerful meeting I scarcely ever attended. It went on with great power. The revival went through the mill with astonishing power, and in the course of a few days, nearly all in the mill were hopefully converted. The power of God, through a person filled with the Holy Spirit, folks, can change very communities that they live in. In May of 2004, Nearly 4,000 people came out to march against drugs in the small town of Manchester, Kentucky. Some of you might remember when this happened. The pastors repented before God in their communities for allowing the darkness to settle in. The drug dealers were put on notice, get saved or get busted. They had had enough. Over the next 12 months, they saw dramatic changes in their towns, drug arrests went way up, drug dealers and users started coming to church and getting free from their addictions, and the story of Manchester was seen around the world. Manchester, Kentucky got transformed by the very power of God. Give me a hundred preachers, John Wesley said, who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. What can God do when he has a spirit-filled group of people, folks, who will not rest until they have brought every every single lasting soul they can find to Jesus? I mean, you heard what John Wesley said. Find a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and they will change the world. Isn't that what happened with the disciples? Isn't that what happened in the early church with the apostles? They were persecuted, beaten, poor, few possessions, wanderers, outcasts, hated tax collectors, prostitutes, brawlers, messed up, broken up failures, jockeying for position while deserting, denying, cursing disciples who in their weakness and brokenness while in prayer God filled with the spirit of the living God and turned the world upside down for the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ because the spirit of God was living in them in a very powerful way. And I look around today, and I just see in this world, and especially in the United States and in Europe and in Australia, a half-hearted church here that is so broken and cares uh, for their possessions in this world and their comforts instead of winning souls for the kingdom. And God is sitting there wondering, is there anybody in this earth that is willing to work for me? This, folks, is about to change. The Bible is very clear that this gospel shall be preached into all the world for a witness. And then shall the end come. There are going to be signs. We are living in the midst of signs. We see that the love of many has grown cold. We see sign after we've seen them in the heavens lately. We've seen them here on the earth. We've seen judgment starting in the house of the Lord. We see all these things going on. and, And but the Bible is very specific that the gospel must go into all the world. Now I believe this will happen very quickly. You see nations in this earth, folks, that that are that do not have any gospel message in it. In the Middle East, you see such gospel depraved places. We see places over in India and in Bhutan and places like that that haven't heard the gospel. You know, the Chinese, they have been working for years and believe that the persecution that they have been suffering has been preparing them. And it's called the Back to Jerusalem movement to take the gospel between China and through the old Silk Roads back to Jerusalem to share the good news, prepared to die for the gospel's sake, to give it to the Arabs. The problem is we think in America that we're the ones that are going to finish all this work. I got news for you folks. God has people all around this world. It's not all about us here in the United States. It's not all about us. Because we've embraced every foul thing out there. We've invited into our church. We call it relevant and accepting. We say that God had you born that way. You can live that way and do whatever you want. And God is looking and saying, this does not look like my church anymore. Is my church. No, my church, the very gates of hell, shall not stop my church. But the church many of us see doesn't even resemble the early church And the remnant of God are out there searching and saying, please, I want to find other people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And I'm telling you, folks, God's got them out there. Keep the faith. And if you're worshiping alone, he's got people to worship with you. Just if you're in the desert, if you're in a season, just stay faithful. Don't worry. Keep praying. Say, God, send me some people, and he will be faithful to that. But the problem today is our churches aren't sharing the gospel anymore. Oh, they're sharing some stuff. They're doing some things, but it doesn't look like the gospel of our Lord Yeshua. It doesn't look like the gospel that was preached in the New Testament. It doesn't look like the word that came from the Old Testament anymore. It looks like some new fandangled social justice warrior gospel that is more cared about government benefits than it is about heavenly benefits that save souls for an eternity. And so here we are in, this, in 2017, and the majority of churches are completely lost, going in the wrong direction, and God is looking for a people. And I'm asking tonight, are you going to be one of them that are willing to step up and to make a change in this world? Turn with me if you've got your bibles please if you got something electronic I don't care find it turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to take a look at a few minutes of a familiar story. 2 Kings chapter 6 and I'm going to be starting in verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with the with his servants saying in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware, that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us for the king of Israel? And so here the king of Syria, he is upset, he's, he's disturbed because he thinks he's got a mole in there. He thinks he's in the United States government, obviously, where everybody leaks everything and nobody can be trusted. And so here he is, he's like, who is telling, who is with the king of Israel right now? He had no idea, he thought he had a traitor in there, and he was frustrated, he wanted somebody's head. Because someone was leaking this message, and the king of Israel had been delivered multiple times because he had received this warning. Verse 12, it says, And one of his servants said, None, none, my lord. Hey, hey, man, there's nobody out there, king. Listen, no one's out there. O oh, king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. So hear this one of his servants. Listen, king. It doesn't matter. You don't have any leaks. They've got a man of God down in Israel that hears the very words you speak in your bed when the door is closed at night. I don't know about you, but if I was the king of Syria, that would be definitely disturbing to me. To know that there is a man out there that hears the very words I say in private. Folks, God hears what we say in private. He hears what we say when we're around our friends. He hears, what guys, what we say when we're around our buddies, when we like to let a few words slip and think that that's okay to talk like that. He hears when we gossip. He hears when we do these things. And, folks, I'll tell you, I've had to repent before for gossip because I've caught myself just recently talking about a situation, and I thought I was in the right, and before I knew it, I was gossiping. And I have to repent of that because I was wrong. Even though I knew that the situation was in my favor, what I was saying was turning into bitterness and and gossip, and I had to repent. And so here he is, the king, Can't can't even get a word out here in secret anymore. In verse 13, it picks up, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And I was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he hither horses and chariots and great host, and they came by the night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host, compassed the city both with the horses and the chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, I, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, I pray thee, said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see, and the Lord opened his eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So here the whole city, folks, of Dothan is surrounded by a great Syrian army. Many of you here that are listening tonight, you feel like you're surrounded, some of you, by your own family members, are your enemies. Some people in the church that you may attend, if you're still attending a church, many of you in your fellowship or wherever at work, you feel like your enemies have you surrounded. And fear is gripping the hearts of the people there in Dothan. What do you do? You're surrounded, and there is no way out. It looks like they are toast. There was a new servant with Elisha. This was not Gehazi that we were normal used to before. You remember Gehazi was dismissed after he went to Naaman to get his reward for the works of God, which you remember Elisha told specifically, there. you don't get reward for doing the works of God. And when, he, when Naaman had dipped and he'd been healed seven times, and this new servant didn't know of the power of God, he didn't see what happened with Naaman. And he didn't know what had happened with Gehazi like he didn't see as an eyewitness. And so here, Elisha, he had probably uh, you know heard about Elisha's works, but folks, sometimes when you don't see it with your own eyes... When you haven't been in the presence of God, sometimes it's hard to to understand what it's really like. And since there was a lack of an intimate relationship with his master, he had not experienced the power through the servant Elisha of the living God. And so here, Elisha prayed. In this moment of panic for Elisha prays when his servant doesn't know what's going on, when everybody in the city is where Elisha prays. And he said, when he says, My master, how shall we do? Elisha prays. And notice he didn't say, What shall we do? No, he said, How should we do? What he was saying was, Elisha, we are trapped. How can we possibly make it out of the mess that we are in? Elisha's servant did not have the faith to make it out But God was in control. Elisha, seeing the terror in his servant's heart, prayed to the Lord and asked him, Open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that the mountains were filled with fiery chariots and horses were all around Elisha and his servant. God was in control. No army in the world was going to frighten Elisha because he knew that his God was there to fight for him in this day. Church of the living God, remnant out there, listen to what I have to say from the bottom of my heart. That the lion of the tribe of Judah is ready to fight for his people today. The gates of hell shall not stop his church. God has called us to war, and he's called us to win souls in these last days. And too many people are cowering in a corner because they forgot that the king of the universe has fiery chariots surrounding his people, that we can take this gospel in a dying hour to a dying world, that the people will have hope. Finally, the only hope that they've ever had. And God is asking, are you ready to serve? The book of Revelation chapter 19 Verse 11 through 13 says this, folks. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Folks, there is a war going on in the spirit realm right now for the souls of men and women, and God is ready to fight. But the church is still sitting around in America listening to programs about getting ready while the whole family is heading to hell, and nobody's got the courage to say anything to anybody. And God's church cannot fail. It can't fail. Not even the very gates of hell can prevail against it. So many of us in our churches that we attend, we're waiting for the elders or the deacons or somebody else to do the work. Or for those that are in home, we're waiting for someone else to do the work while people are dying in this world. And it's okay that someone ends up in hell with many people because they do nothing. we got to do something, folks, and we need to start it now. Now don't get mad at me because I'm trying to tell you the truth. Don't get mad at me because you've been offended in churches and you don't like people in church and and you don't think you need to do anything. You can just sit at home and do nothing. Well, folks, if you're at home and you don't have anybody to fellowship, you can fellowship with the Lord and get right and you can walk with Him because if He is with you, you don't have to be in a church. But folks, don't believe that God doesn't want us to worship with other people. He has fellowships out there. I'm afraid that we have lost the confidence as the body of believers in the one that we serve. I didn't have the... I did not have the courage, hardly, when I went into that Muslim man. I didn't even know what to say. I was nervous. I was afraid at times. But the God that I serve was greater than my fear and nerves, and he went with me. And in a moment when I didn't know what to say, the gospel of the living God came from my mouth. Because the gates of hell shall not stop his church. Everybody wants it soft today. Everybody just wants to hear something that makes them feel good. If you want to feel good, get on your face and cry out to God. Confess and repent and let Him rebuild you into a new creation to where you don't get your value from men anymore, but you get your value from God. Some people, you've been in this message for years. You've been serving the Lord for years and yet you've hardly seen any spiritual growth in your life. Let me ask you a question. How much time are you spending with the Lord, and how much time are you sharing the gospel with other people? You wonder why your life's dry? It's like that woman who went to Elisha, who the creditors came to get her sons. She didn't have anything except some empty pots of oil. But Elisha said, go and get some more oil and go in your house and shut the door on you and your sons and then pour out. And when she got in there and she shut the door in her house and she began to pour out, the oil of the living God began to pour out from vessel to vessel to vessel until they said there are no more. And when there were no more empty vessels, the oil stayed. It stopped. See, folks, until we get alone with God, until we shut those prayer closets, until we get serious with God, the oil will not flow because we're not searching for empty vessels. we got to get in our prayer closets and shut the door, and then we have to reach out, and we begin to find empty vessels to share the good news. God begins to pour out. But when the last empty vessel came, when we stop sharing the gospel of the living God with people, the oil will stop. And many of you are wondering why you're so dry in your life lives because you haven't shared that oil the gospel the spirit of the living god the oil represents you know as well as i do the holy ghost and you got to be filled with it so that you can pour out and people will know that the living god is in the message that you are sharing because they will know his presence when they see you because jesus is living in you and through you and it's not you anymore it is him We need a church out there. We need a remnant out there that when people come around and they meet with you and they greet with you and they're in your home group or they're in your church, they say this is the place where the living God comes to worship. Solid messages need to be coming from our pulpness and a thickness of God, of the Spirit of God permeating the buildings in such a powerful way that when believers come in, when non-believers come in, they are overwhelmed by the very presence of the living God instead of this cheap entertainment that substitutes for God's joy because there's no joy, and we think that somehow if we get the entertainment better, that the people will want to be a part of. You know, I think I shared some research I just found out about not too long ago. I don't even remember, but I'll share it again real quick. They've done a bunch of studies just recently. And they found that all this changing church services, trying to dumb them down, make them softer and all that stuff, hasn't done anything for the youth. When they surveyed the youth, you know what the number one thing is that youth wanted? They wanted to connect with somebody. They wanted to have a relationship with someone. Just like you want to have a relationship with God. They wanted to have a relationship with someone. Matter of fact, the person that was presenting the research said, stop worrying about preaching grace and obedience. Preach both of them. People want to, these young people want to connect. They don't know how to connect anymore because they're so messed up in this technology world that they just want a real relationship. That's why they're on their phones constantly because they need to connect. And you could be there to be that vessel that helps connect them to the living God. Church, this cannot continue. God needs a group of people who are willing to say enough is enough. I remember Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says this. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus was saying here, if he is the one building the church, and if it is built upon him, the rock, that not even the very gates of hell can stop his church. And right now people are trapped and they're crying out and they're wanting to be rescued from the pit of disparity. And Jesus is, going, is saying, it. will anybody go after them? Folks, you're worried about what someone's going to say. You're worried about if they'll receive the message and God say, not even the very gates of hell can stop you. It's not that the gates are prevailing. That doesn't mean that the gates are overrunning the church. And when it says prevail, the gates are designed to do one of two things. Either keep someone trapped in or keep someone out. And when he says the gates of hell shall not prevail, means they cannot keep you from rescuing the people that they are keeping trapped in there. The church in in an outright tailspin in many places because people are not sharing the good news the world is out of control people don't have moral values anymore our children are confused we don't we don't even know how to save the lost as believers anymore we think it's all about having some coffee and some cupcakes and sitting back on the church pews kicking our feet up hearing three-point sermons about a christ we don't even know anymore Because we are not following the very command of the living God to go ye out into all the world. Be witnesses. We are to preach this gospel on the ever-living creature out there. There's a war going on for the souls of men and women, folks. We have to change what is going on in the body of believers at this moment. Churches, Listen to me closely. If you're a pastor listening to this program, if you go to a church and you're listening to this program, if you're in a home fellowship and you're listening to this program, if you are alone and worshiping by yourself and listening to this program, you need to listen to me very closely from what I'm about to say. Churches that don't work do nothing but fight. Churches that work don't fight. But churches that don't work, they only fight fight see when you're not working when you're not engaged in the mission all you care about is the color of the carpet in your church or what deacon is doing this or pastor is doing whatever you don't care a bit about a lost soul because soon as somebody comes into the church that doesn't smell right or look right or act right you get offended and upset and you're ready to do away with them so we get so upset when see god can't even trust to send the lost into our churches you know why Because we're so fed up with them within two seconds, we forget, you know what? Lost people, they're lost. And God knew you were lost, and yet he took patience with you. Yet sometimes we can't give somebody five seconds before we are done with them. And we're ready to cast them out. If God treated us like churches treat other people, there wouldn't be a hope or a prayer for any one of us. If you don't like the idea of witnessing or sharing the good news and you're upset with what I say, then I have to ask you one question. What are you doing as a believer in the body of Yeshua, Jesus Christ? Why are you calling yourself a believer? This is a war, and God needs warriors and not sissies. It's time to get serious about our outreach, folks. It's time to make a change. You can't keep going. You don't have to be perfect to witness somebody. You just got to start. And through that time of you witnessing, Jesus sent the disciples out while they were a mess. While they were a mess. You need to get out. Quit trying to find perfection before you share the good news. The perfection is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we find His perfection, then we can live holy because it's no longer ours. It's His. I know we all have our ups and downs, folks. We all have our good times and our bad times but I'm afraid too often too many have gone into the bad times and you're not coming back up again. If we will humble ourselves before our God, if we will repent for our lack of love for the lost and our fellow believers, if we will ask God to forgive us for our pathetic prayer lives and begin to get serious, God will do something. I'm asking you tonight, are you willing to change? Do you want to see the power of God move in a mighty way? If you will do the hard work on your knees, folks, with God, he will fight and take the battle to the enemy. I'm asking the remnant church of believers listening to this program. I don't care about your denomination. I don't care about where you go to church. That's, I'm going to tell you right now, when it all falls apart, you know what? We're going to have nothing but Jesus to cry out to. Can we do this? Or will we just simply sit and listen to more programs about the day we live in and do nothing? Are you satisfied with your family members going to hell? I am not are we willing to humble ourselves? If we do, God will make a change. See, folks, God is calling us in such a time as right now. I want to close with a story that I shared when we first started this program a long time ago, a year and a half. seems like a long time. I don't even know if we had any listeners hardly hardly back then. But I want to share a story. In Africa, I was. Uh, we had gone at the end of a mission trip. We had gone on a safari. Um, the man who was my mentor in missionary work uh, took uh, his grandkids that came. And so we went on a safari at the end. It was, it was a great time. Um, it, I'm sure it's something they would never forget, being with their grandpa on that. The man just loved the Lord. And we were coming down, and we were at this place. We had a lot of flat tires because if you've ever been out on the Serengeti or up around the Ngoro crater or anything like that or lake Minyar, uh, Minara Minyara, excuse me uh, you know how tough it is and rough it is and we were coming out of the serengeti and stuff and and we had to stop and get some tires fixed and i remember everybody was there we were in different vehicles and people got out because it was taking a while to get some tires fixed and and i was tired i was worn out we'd been on a, this mission trip for a while this was the end i was ready to go back home and so here I was, I was, I was at the end of it, and, and we got there, and people, you know, of course, when they see the white people come, or the Mzungos, or any, actually any, it doesn't matter what color you are, any foreigner that comes from any other country, they think you've got money. And compared to all them, we have a lot of money. And so here they came around my vehicle, and everybody's trying to sell me something, I just was so sick and tired of it. I didn't want to hear it anymore. I'd had enough. And I remember that they were trying to sell me all these things. And I mean, I just wanted to roll the window up here. I don't want to talk to anybody. And so finally I realized, you know what? I'm going to turn the tables on these people. And so I remember I took my watch off my hand and I held it up to the window. And I said, you know what? I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to sell you my watch. And I tried to sell them. I thought, I'll turn the tables on you. This would be a great idea. This will scare them off. I'll try to start selling them something. And before you know it, now they all wanted to barter. Of course, my plan backfired completely. Now I had all people all around wanting to, wanting to trade and barter with me for my watch. And I was like, oh, man, what, did I what a dumb idea. And so I just wanted everybody to go away. And so finally a guy comes up to my vehicle, and he, he reaches his head in there kind of quietly, and he says, hey, man, you want, uh, you want some weed? You know, in his African dialect. And I, and I was like, no, I'm, you know, I'm sure, pretty sure nobody in here needs any weed. And before you knew it, another person came up and offered me some drugs. Now, it didn't take very long before I realized that we were surrounded by drug dealers and they kept coming around and I knew what was going on and I just only wanted them to go away and I'm like now great we were surrounded by drug dealers what a wonderful place and I kept feeling this wanting to just roll the window up and just tell them to leave me alone you know I'm in the middle of this, I've, this is I've already done my work I've been my good missionary over here right I did my calling and I've now I got to go on a safari trip so I've done it I've got rewarded for my good hard work right and so I'm just done leave me alone and I remember that God began to work on my heart say something to these people do something these are drug dealers right you're a drug addict you are a former drug addict. you know about this stuff and so i just couldn't take it anymore and god just kept laying this heavy burden so finally out of desperation i remember i rolled down when i looked at this guy i said come here for a second and i said take your glasses off and i remember he took his glasses off and i looked at him in the eye and i said you're high aren't you he said yeah i'm high And I started to share with this man about my life of drug addiction and how God had delivered me from this life of drugs. And the next thing you know, this whole vehicle, I was surrounded by these drug dealers and folks. I'm sitting there with their head in the window, and I'm holding their heads, and I'm praying with them. And I'm praying for God to deliver them. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting there and all these people, they don't even know what's going on. And I'm sitting there brand with these drug dealers. And they say, I know, I look at this man right in front of me, and I had never seen something like this before in my life. I saw a man under such powerful conviction right in front of me. Till one point, his arms finally just went, let, dropped down to his side. And they walked off and they went home of their drug addiction. And I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ was convicting their soul at that moment. See, I didn't have the courage. I, didn't, I was scared again. You know, I'm in the middle of drug. Yes, I'm a big guy. I like to do, a, you know, I'm a former Marine and all that stuff. And I can handle myself. But right now when you're surrounded by drug dealers, it's a different feeling. But the spirit of the living God was pushing me and urging me. That he was more powerful than these drug addicts were, these drug dealers. And when I finally took the courage to say something, God moved in a miraculous way. And now I've got a testimony to share because I stepped out in faith and I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I saw that day that the very gates of hell cannot stop his church. What are you doing for God? Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Listen, folks, if they, don't under, if they don't receive it, it's okay. Shake the dust off your sandals and move on. But God is in the business of making new believers. And if you think we can simply just get prepared and not share the good news, you have got the wrong Bible that you've been reading. This is the day and this is the hour that we need to make a move to work for the Lord. Folks, I'm going to close in prayer. And I just pray that this message tonight or tomorrow, whenever you might listen to it this weekend, I don't know when you might listen to it, but I pray that it will make a change in your life and understand that the one that you are serving is greater than anything you are going against in this world. And that He is able to deliver. Folks, I... I want you to know that God loves you and he is able to do what you cannot, but you have to step out in faith. You have to step out in faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that the gates of hell prevail, shall not stop your church. I thank you, Lord, that you are coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I thank you, Father, that you were willing to lay your own son's life down while we were yet sinners because you knew that Satan had a stronghold, but our God was stronger in the very gates of hell, could not overcome the sacrifice and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for that person who's been struggling and thinks that God cannot deliver. That you're reminding them tonight that God is able to overcome and do that which they have not been able to do, because the gates of very hell cannot overcome, can it? Cannot stop. They cannot prevail against His Church. And I pray, Lord, that a spirit of deliverance will flow freely amongst Your people. Lord, we need to be about Your business. And I pray that you will touch your people tonight, Lord, to make a change in their lives. And that when they get in that section of fear, when they see those giants in the promised land, when they, when they see Goliath ahead of them, that they will remember the, the very gates of hell, that nobody can stand against the living God. But you will deliver them, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness, Father. And I ask it in the name above every name. The name of Yeshua, Lord. Amen. Folks, I know you're used to probably a little more uh, guests on the remnant call, but I've had some messages that needed to be shared with you. I just want you to know that that I promise that if you will share this good news, I'm not promising based on me, but on the word of God, if you share this good news, I'm telling you the joy of the Lord will come back into your lives. I remember a good friend of mine, oh, love this guy named John. He was in a meeting with some other men. He was their leader. He said, I figured out finally what my problem is. He hadn't led anybody to Jesus in over a year. And his life was getting out of control. Folks, when you see someone, that sinner, go down in those waters of baptism, and you see him come up a new creation, you'll know at that moment that it doesn't get any better than that. The gates of hell shall not stop his church. Folks, this is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Amen. Yeah.